look at the larger forces, recognize that just as change happens in every aspect of society, culture, and technology, to be viewing that and recognize that the concepts of disruption and creative destruction that apply in the technology realm very much apply in real estate. Best ever listeners, wouldn't it be nice to have a $2 million pre-approval line of credit? Ah, just think about that. Isn't that nice? Wouldn't that be nice? How would that help you get more deals done? Because when you submit a pre-approval line of credit with your offer on a fix and flip house, do you think it's going to stand out more? I think so. And our friends at Fund That Flip, you know Fund That Flip, Matt Rodak, he's been on the show before many times. He's a friend of mine. He's also the owner of Fund That Flip and they're a sponsor of today's episode. What they're doing is they're giving a $2 million pre-approval line of credit up to $2 million pre-approval line of credit for qualified buyers. And my gosh, in this competitive buying market, sellers prefer to sell to buyers who have a high likelihood of closing, right? Makes sense. Well, use this pre-approval line of credit from Fund That Flip and that will signal to the seller that you're the real deal and you'll be able to close quickly. It's free. All you got to do is go to fundthatflip.com. You've got to qualify that you have prior experience and there's a process, but it's free and you need to go to fundthatflip.com to get the pre-approval line of credit because this is a way that's going to help your short-term rehab loan happen because you're going to get the deal for the property where you need the short-term rehab loan. Go to fundthatflip.com and get that pre-approval line of credit for up to $2 million. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out all the fluff and we only talk about the best advice that moves your real estate investing business forward. We've spoken to Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad and many other best ever guests. And we have got a scholar as well as an investor amongst us today. How are you doing, Stephen Rulak? Wonderful, Joe Fairless. Great to be with you and your best ever listener audience. Well, nice to have you on the show, my friend. And a little bit about Stephen, and then we'll get into it. He is the CEO of Rulak Global, which is a global strategy and financial economics advisory firm. He writes textbooks for universities, Maryland, Florida Atlantic, Texas A&M, Harvard, and his firm has worked in 20 countries and invested in 100 plus countries, creating billions of dollars of value for their clients. He's the author of many books, and the latest one is The Property Knowledge System, and you can find that at The Property Knowledge System system.com and look at that program. He's based in San Francisco, California. And with that being said, Stephen, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure. Uh, glad to, Joe. Grew up in a family construction building business, basically did everything on site, decided I uh, wanted to combine some academic background. So I went ahead and got graduate degrees from Berkeley, Harvard, and Stanford. I uh, have combined uh, an academic career uh, teaching at a number of prominent places, UCLA, Berkeley, Stanford. Uh, currently have a position at University of Ulster's visiting professor 
of Global Property Strategy. We've been very active in the consulting side. I founded, led, and built the consulting practices of two of the remaining four accounting firms, have um, worked with basically all players, every aspect, every property type and the like, um, run a global property securities hedge fund where for a number of years we had performance well in the 30%, top 1% of managers globally. And big areas I'm particularly pushing right now, as I said in the education side, is the property knowledge system, which is a, uh, takes the entire body of knowledge for real estate and presents in a very attractive uh, coffee table art book design format. And you know, I'm also quite active in entrepreneurial uh, startup new ventures. I advise about 30 companies in a portfolio and have you know, a couple of our own ventures underway as well. You've got, as you mentioned, you got an MBA from Harvard, PhD right. from Stanford, and a JD from Cal. How do you determine what you focus on when it comes to actually investing yourself and consulting? Great question. My orientation very much has been from a strategic perspective, and you, know, you can analogize, think of the stock market. If you're going to look at stocks or something, start with the A's, and by the time you've evaluated the A's, all that's obsolete because things have changed so much. So we, from the beginning, have tried to say, where are the big moves happening? What are the big things that would be going on? And look at that basis. And part of my research we've done is look at where value is created and where the best returns are. And by far the dominant driver of returns is the idea behind the deal. And we also looked at the things that didn't work. And the ones that didn't work had bad ideas behind them. And so, yeah, controlling land is important. Arranging finance is critical. You've got to get your approvals. You've got to manage your construction budget right. You have your marketing and sales and property management. All of those have got to be really good. And we expect that. But where the real money we think is made is in the ideas. Will you elaborate on that as far as the real value is in the idea? The point you can say that that would come through ideas, Joe, by selecting what markets do you want to be in, what property types do you want to be investing in, what business model. For instance, uh, you know, we had an assignment one time looking at a project for a major client, and they had lost a lot of money in a substantial office building in downtown L.A., and this was back uh, you know, some years ago, and L.A. has really improved a lot since then. It was the best building in the market, and if you're thinking that you were going to invest in Los Angeles and you bought the best building, and it was very good location, beautiful finishes, great architecture, fabulous tenants, if that's all you looked at, you see, you couldn't lose. However, these guys lost a tremendous amount because they were basically investing in a market that had a competitive disadvantage to other markets because there were things happening in the marketplace overall. So one example is you do better being in a strong market. You don't have to have necessarily the best property. A decent property in a strong market will way outperform the best property in a weak market. So the idea is like choose your market and then choose your business model um, a lot of things that are happening by business model, I'm talking about applying corporate strategy to real estate, which is a lot of what we do. Choose your market, then choose your business model. How do you effectively choose your market? That gets in something called strategic market selection. It's just like how you evaluate uh, different industries and the like. One of the reasons we had such strong performance in our investing hedge fund, and why, you know, we've done a lot of this for our clients as well, as we essentially develop models and look at what are the probable factors, what's going to drive market performance, what markets are people going to likely be in. So you look at, well, what are people looking for? I mean, right now, urban is really a big issue, tech innovation, lifestyle design, and so forth. So you look at what are people looking for and what markets have those. And, you know, basically through modeling, we can evaluate 
a collection of markets just like you evaluate a given stock or just like if you're looking at evaluating a house, you can take that same principle that you would evaluate investing in a single-family house, apply that, adapt it to models, look at all the different markets available and say, okay, these are the ones that make best sense. Like a lot of your listeners, I imagine if they're investing in single-family properties or individual properties, they will evaluate that and they might be considering half a dozen different houses and say, which one do they like? Same basic thing, just change house to market. You can do it that way. And you mentioned what are people looking for, and you you mentioned three things. Urban is really important, tech innovation, lifestyle design. I want to relate this to an investor who, as you just said, is either buying you know homes or maybe apartment buildings. How can they take those topics and internalize them so that they have an output of something they take action on? One way you can think about it is to consider if you're investing in homes, what are people looking for who might want to be renting homes and or begin to do a, a lease-to-buy option kind of thing. And you're going to find that, well, one thing that's important to them are schools, depending on if you're looking to families. Another thing that's going to be important is going to be access to transportation, particularly public transportation, walkability. People want a sense of community. They want a sense of place. So you understand, okay, who's your target? It's like this marketing 101. Who's your target market and to people you want to reach? What are they going to want? What's important to them? And you can set your certain criteria up. And then as you evaluate each house you're confronting, say, give it a score. How's it going? And then you can put different weights and add them up and so forth. And on that, Joe, I should say we have um, one of our businesses that I haven't mentioned yet. We have basically models that, uh, you know, couple months from now be available that people can quickly get access and have that done very fast because it's quite resource intensive. So that's part of our tech background is to take something that would be laborious and difficult and, you know, take a lot more time and expense than most people be inclined or have and make it available very accessibly. And so that, that'll be coming up pretty shortly. Your firm has worked in 20 plus countries. So you've got the global presence. What's a typical client need? People would hire uh, Relock Global, my team, basically when they're facing a decision that's characterized by complexity where the answer is not necessarily obvious, it's very high stakes, and they recognize if they make a miscalculation, it could be extremely damaging. You could call it like a bet-your-business decision. You can't afford to be wrong. Or it's a competitive thing, and they really want to be sure it's for example, I worked a lot with major institutional investors. We were hired by CalPERS, uh, California Public Employees Retirement System, which is the largest public employee system because they were involved in real estate. It wasn't really going exactly where they wanted. They recognized things were changing a lot. They wanted a new system, and so they got us involved to advise them on what should be the overall strategy, how to put in place the systems so they were picking the right managers, how to give them the right criteria, how to evaluate them, um, that sort of thing. Or, Another assignment, they were presented with a opportunity to invest a couple billion dollars in a major portfolio, and they didn't have expertise on the staff. So, I mean, often we're hired where clients want to not only even out the expertise on the other side of the table, they want an edge because basically we're going to probably have insights and have analytic sophistication and have deal-making skill that uh, a lot of other people in the market don't have. And so clients have us because they want to win and they want to create value. We have a track where we basically document 100 to 1 value on investments clients make into our, our services. So basically, we want to get really great outcomes. That's Those are the kinds who hire us. What type of process do you and your colleagues go through 
as far as your thought process to tackle a problem? Is there a, a certain methodical way that you go about it? And the reason I ask is I think it would be helpful to know that if there is one so that if we come across a situation and it's on a smaller scale from a dollar standpoint, we can use that same type of process and overcome it. Certainly, uh, so from the, uh, the your best ever li- listeners looking at things, it definitely is process and structure oriented. Start out as understand what uh, the, the problem definition or what issues, what are you trying to accomplish. It's sort of standard. And one thing to be sure you've identified all of the pieces of information that could influence the potential outcome, what you need to know, find that out, uh, look through it. If it's a financial model, there are ways to do that. It's a lot of just conscientious investigation, um, and so there are models and structures. I don't think we really have time to go into it in too much depth, but the property knowledge system has many, many models in that, so it's very model-driven. And at the same time, I want to emphasize that it's not just a by-the-numbers approach. I think you need to be simultaneously very creative and appropriate, I will tell my analysts I'd rather them spend at least as much time um, with Sherlock Holmes in that perspective of problem-solving and sort of counterintuitive things in very creative ways as, as you might otherwise. And I also one one other thing that's really important is to look at problems from many different perspectives. Like we have a, uh, one of the infographics in the book, we show about 30 different ways to look at things. You can look at top-down and bottom-up, you know, from inside or outside, the macro or the micro, very analytical or intuitive. So taking many points of view to a decision can help you identify the opportunity and also protect you against missing something that you might have if you only look at it one way. What real estate have you invested in personally? The number of residences. I love place and love property. I've been fortunate to live in some fabulous houses. I've done that. been involved in uh, substantial land development project up in the San Juan Islands where we owned uh, several hundred acres and developed and sold that off. And then through our uh, investing funds, where I was investing alongside others in global property securities, we were investing in the best property companies in the best places in the world. And one time in the portfolio, I'd have generally about 100 positions, usually at least 40 companies represented, five basic business models of investment, development services, corporate real estate, uh, place strategy, and those are companies that use things very creatively in place. So we had, you know, a number of the top home builders in the portfolio, the top, you know, reach many of the companies that your listeners would probably not be aware of because they're uh, in Asia and Europe, and some of the names, particularly in Asia, are not the easiest to pronounce. So it, I, I basically have invested in essentially every single aspect of real estate because that was our strategy to cover the entire markets, and by doing that, we could find the most attractive things. On the San Juan Islands project where there were several hundred acres, were you a limited partner or general partner, or was it structured a different way? It was structured as a partnership. I was a substantial limited partner investor, but I was a general partner, so you know, that's a family deal, and I basically was very involved in the acquisition, deal-making. You know, actually, we ended up buying that property through uh, an exchange there and went to use conservation easements, which created a lot of value that way, and uh, subdivided to deal with the political thing, you know, all the negotiation, putting in roads and utilities improvements, that sort of thing. And, you know, I've, I've along the way done various 
building projects as well, but th- that particular venture was more, more land development oriented. Out of the different projects that you've done, what's been the most challenging? Um, that's, that's, that's a challenging question to think of. I'd say probably assignment to evaluate the consequences of a, actually give you two answers, evaluate the consequences of a very high profile event. And because of NDA confidential, I can't tell you what it was, but I'll just say it, it's an event that happened at the very beginning of the century and probably had more impact on the global political, social, economic scene than anything in our lifetimes. And effectively, the decision was what would New York have been like, but for events that happened at a certain date, uh, referenced in numbers. So that was quite intriguing to figure out, but for that event, what might have happened. And, you know, I had basically had a team of 85 professionals on three continents working on that. So that was a really challenging undertaking. And another one like that, Joe, was with the big mortgage securities crisis. We were uh, retained by the attorneys representing Federal Housing Finance Authority, who was the is the overseer for Fannie Mae and uh, Freddie Mac and their investments to figure out a model of how to evaluate the degree of appraisal, non-compliance, and mortgage fraud, and so forth. And so that essentially required to come up with a very creative way to do it. And it's, you know, we mastered that, and we ended up helping our clients get billions and billions of dollars in recovery. So that was quite challenging, extremely rewarding, and, you know, case, again, we created great, great value for the clients. You've got a really, relative to most of the guests I bring on the show, you're higher up with the type of investments you do, you're investing in the companies that are doing the work versus actually doing the work. And in some cases, you mentioned you're actually getting in there. So I'm going to ask you this question, since you have that more macro perspective, what type of investment vehicles or strategies do you kind of roll your eyes at and be like, that's just, I've seen it time and time again, it doesn't work? Um people not understanding the real estate they're buying and they you know they're chasing the numbers and so i'd, I'd say it, it's a numbers only deal and it's like the momentum thing in the stock market and as long as it's continuing to go up that's fine but thinking any property you buy at any time is going to go up and we see that over and over and and then so some people don't acknowledge the existence of cycles and we do a whole lot of work around cycles and you know fundamental change and then the refrain, you know, I'm sure you've heard this a lot, Joe, and your best ever listeners have heard it as well. This time it's different. This time it's different. So, so thinking that, that history has been forgotten and gravity has been overcome and the only direction price is going to be in the upper right side of the graph tending to the vertical, relying on that, that, that I, I, we do see that happening and that uh, – May work for a little bit of time, but uh, just like the people who speculated and paid thousands and thousands of dollars for tulip bulbs, or back when Chicago was going and they'd buy, they, you know, buy land at a couple of dollars a unit or something, and it'd show up to twenty thousand dollars quickly, and they think that was a great deal. The excessive speculation without assuring that the fundamentals are there—that that's a sure formula for disaster if you stay with it too long. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? Uh, best real estate investing advice ever is to look at the larger forces, recognize it just as change happens in every aspect of society, culture, and technology, to be viewing that 
and recognize that the concepts of disruption and creative destruction that apply in the technology realm very much apply in real estate. One counsel, I think, is when you evaluate people's best effort advice, is look at what they're doing, not just what they're saying. And mm-hmm. If somebody's talking about something but not doing it, then why, why aren't they doing it? In particular, they're doing something else. And i tell you right now, in terms of I'm very involved in major, major commitment to new business models, new approaches to real estate that are threatening a lot of the conventional ways. And that's we think the real money in the future is going to be made by ideas that fundamentally challenge the status quo of real estate and basically take a lot of existing applications or business practices, and they're going to be like buggy whips used to be after the car got invented. What's an example of that? One of my favorite companies, I've got a number on that's great company right now, is a company called ParkNav that is a parking app, and your best real estate investor listeners can go just go to parknav.com, and it will reduce substantially how quickly you can find parking. And so instead of driving all around, so that's an example of what going on. And the, the real play there is we get information not only on parking, what's happening in the streets, we get information on all kinds of things going. And so uh, in that application now we've got a contract with BMW and a lot of it, so it's going to be like built right into your car. But th- those kinds of elements and you know, another thing is like if you're big in car dealerships right now with, with the ride-sharing services and Uber and Lyft and all of those, they're going to dramatically reduce the number of cars that are going to be on the road because fewer people who own cars is projected that car sales are going to be down by at least 6% going forward, and that could be 16 or more, and that could dramatically change the urban form. There'll be less need for car parking lots because people to be driving, be relying on driving services as opposed to driving themselves. And driverless cars, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Driverless cars, when it gets there, you could basically call your car and have it come to you. And so those sorts of things can totally change the uh, a lot of the ways, patterns of work. But, and then this is, the again, look at the big ideas. What does it mean? If that happens, what could be the outcome? Are you ready for the best ever life? Oh, sure, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, certainly. I'm sorry. Uh, All right, great. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, if you're looking to take control of your retirement and you have a 401k or IRA, then check out Sense Financial. It's S-E-N-S-E financial.com. They offer you the chance to take control of your retirement accounts through the self-directed 401k and IRA programs. You can request your free consultation at sensefinancial.com. Best ever book you've read? Oh, best ever book I've read? Oh, geez. Um, I have to say I'm so involved in my own book that I'm going to pitch the property knowledge system because we endeavor to make it the very best, and I've read a whole bunch of them. I tried to take the best insights from all of them and put them in that. So I'd say the property knowledge system. Best ever personal growth experience and what did you learn from it? Uh, best ever personal growth experience in my athletic background, and particularly I uh, can be at a real high level in distance running. Various reasons shows the graduate school instead of pursuing Olympics in that, then got involved in competitive cycling, and I had to learn from scratch how to get really effective in uh, competing at a high level, which I did. And I took a lot of the lessons from that because the discipline and the learning and overcoming all the hardship and the crashes and the uncertainty and the hardship and apply that in business. I, I think they're, the lessons from sports are directly transferable. And I basically, I, I, I have a view I get more out of my athletic background than I do from all the academic stuff I do. Best ever deal you've done? Best ever deal would be 
putting together the uh, Roulette Global Fund's strategy we did in terms of getting the great returns. Essentially, it was the idea behind that and then implementing it with a you know, big investment team we put together for it. Best ever way you like to give back? Um, give back is through uh, sharing knowledge and teaching. I do a lot of teaching and speaking, and the property knowledge system is a very big, big give back. I mean, we've got scores of years of people's work in that, millions and millions of dollars of hard costs into it, and we have a view that the uh, there's a great need for our practice, our discipline, our shared passion, your best ever real estate listeners, and you and me and all of that to really see real estate at a much higher level, and far too few people have the training and resources and tools, and so with that book and the classes, we uh, expect all kinds of people can get exposure to do things in real estate wouldn't have otherwise done. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate or business? Um, actually, the biggest mistake is probably not early enough emphasizing connecting the dots on some of the things and being too focused just on the numbers and the finance and not looking early enough in terms of some of the social implications and the political and the economic issues. You know, So being really deep and narrow and very much on top of certain issues and not necessarily looking broadly as to what everything else was going on. And what's the best way the best ever listeners can reach you? I'd say you can call their phone number, the business here at 415-451-4300. That's 415-451-4300. Or then just send me an email directly at srulak at rulakglobal.com. And that's S-R-O-U-L-A-C at R-O-U-L-A-C-G-L-O-B-A-L.com, srulak at rulakglobal.com. Well, Stephen, thank you for being on the show and sharing your advice with best ever listeners and talking from a high level strategic standpoint, as you just mentioned about having a broad picture of what type of implications the different political and social environment and technological environment has on our business and what could it have and where are the trends going. And you gave the example of parknav.com and then also you know, talking from a, a kind of a, a more closer to the on the ground level where you said that people over and over don't acknowledge the existence of cycles. And it's really important that we remind ourselves that especially 2008 wasn't too long ago and your team was in there doing the consulting, it sounds like, with some of the major players getting back billions of dollars. And then lastly... On a very granular level, the insight on, you know, just thinking about your your audience and what are, you gave the home example, what are people looking for who are renting the homes and putting yourself or ourselves in the minds of the end client or consumer. So thanks so much for being on the show. I hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Joe. Very much enjoyed uh, being with you and your best ever listeners. Best ever listeners, if you're looking to take control of your retirement and you have a 401k or IRA, then check out Sense Financial. It's S-E-N-S-E financial.com. They offer you the chance to take control of your retirement accounts through the self-directed 401k and IRA programs. You can request your free consultation at sensefinancial.com.